0: Hello! Welcome back to JLXP, episode 33 all time, but only episode 2 of 2022. I am joined by a former colleague of mine at both TL and Riot Games. And previously, I actually had your Twitter handle up, so I could list like all of your accomplishments. I think you also have like Father of Two on there, which is cool. But yeah, welcome welcome to the show. Is This this is your first time on JLXP, actually.
1: It's actually the first time on JLXP, because last time you did it, you did a bunch of solo episodes and didn't invite me on. So thank you yeah. very much for the invite.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. You're the first. You're the first guest on the on the one back. Maybe maybe many more, depending on how how the, how Reddit. I think Reddit will decide if there's Reddit will guests. dictate everything in yeah. terms of
1: this show. Let's be honest.
0: <laughs> yeah, that Reddit just actually runs the LCS. That's a little known fact. But okay, uh, that's not what this episode's about. This episode is about uh, the ceilings and floors of the LCS team. So it's a little bit of an extension of the power ranking episode that I did, where. I ranked TL first, 100 Thieves second, EG third, C9 fourth, Dig fifth, TSM sixth, the Mortal seventh, COG eighth, FlyQuest ninth, and Golden Guardians tenth. And I know you did power rankings of your own, but the purpose of this episode is we're kind of going to go team by team and list how, like the ceiling of a team and what, like how they can reach their ceiling, but then also the floor of the team and how that is going to vary for various teams and how, how they get there. So uh, do you want to start from the bottom or from the top?
1: I think it's probably more entertaining, actually, to do this one from the top, because I think a yeah. lot of the high-variance teams actually might be below, like, fourth.
0: Okay. I, yeah, so I have... We haven't revealed the, the variance levels to each other. So I imagine you have TL first on your power rankings as well.
1: Yep, based I've on, done my power rankings. They're a little ranking. bit different from yours, yeah.
0: I think it's actually hard to find a person that didn't put TL work first in their power rankings after they won lock in without core JJ. Mm-hmm. Like it's you could you could still predict it. Like I don't think they're a lock to win, but I just feel like people are gonna be doing the the prediction for T L first. But what's your floor for TL? What's the worst that can happen?
1: Okay, so in my opinion, if T L keep Ayla and they have, you know, maybe a bit more of an inconsistent split. Yeah, so they could finish
0: doesn't get his green card or
1: something. Correct. Has something him. goes wrong. Yeah. No inside information here. But like mm-hmm. if that was the floor of this team, mm-hmm. um, I would say that they could finish third.
0: Oh, so I had as my list of things that could go wrong. Interestingly enough, like... Almost none of these were gameplay-related, which maybe is a bit of a cop-out. It was jj gets deported, Bjergsen is washed, and Santorin health issues return. And if mm-hmm. all of those things happened, I have them at fourth,
1: which is still yeah. pretty good. That's uh, still a pretty good team. So yeah. you've got three substitutes on the team with Hans and Voipo, and, and they're still fourth place. Yeah.
0: And I, I already talked a, a fair bit about TL in my power rankings of like what can go well because I have them first, but I feel like KordaJ and Bwipo together have the potential to create something really, really special. Then there'll be Bjergsen and Santorin as like reliable setup through the middle of the map. And then Han Sama can just be kind of a god in teamfights. Like, we, we actually saw it kind of already during lock without core, what the team can potentially look like.
1: I also think, like, upside for this team is they're probably one of the most patch-resilient team uh, I've ever seen. Uh, Every Mm -hmm. single player can play carry or support on the team. Santorin's a really great carry player. He also plays a lot of the junglers that take low econ. We've Mm -hmm. already seen Bwipo play tanks, and then we've seen him play hard carries. Hans is surprisingly good in that position as well, which shocked me. Uh, And obviously, Björk has made, like, his whole name off being one of the best aggressive mid laners and also being a very, very good uh supportive mid laner. So I think that something that's flying under the radar for this team is, you know, Kobe on the dive was talking about okay, this team it has got the bottom playstyle down pat when mm. core comes back. It's like, mm. but they don't have to. If the meta changes for whatever reasons, revert the teleport changes, I still think they'll be fine.
0: Do you agree that uh bot lane is now like relatively speaking more important than other lanes because of the teleport changes? Or do you think it's possible that mid or top could still be like more abused if you have the right matchup?
1: Um, so it depends how you look at it, because uh, what CLG Academy has been doing a lot nowadays is they just don't run teleports in any lane, I saw and that. they run exhaust tops and ignite mids a lot, yep. and it gives them a lot of power to be able to actually take over laning phase, and then when they group, they have like two extra combat summoner spells from you, and you can play side lanes, but at the end of the day, if they stack dragons early or something mm-hmm. like this, then eventually you got to fight them. So uh, I do think that the way the game is currently being played at the highest level, it does f- support that bottom lane focus, but... What I would say is if you have great solo lanes, you don't have to play that way. Okay. Uh, there, there are ways you can currently break the meta. And what you will always see in North America, because this is the way the system operates, is that mm-hmm. the Academy teams have to do it first and mm-hmm. prove that it's viable, mm-hmm. and then maybe it'll bleed through it to the LCS. Yeah.
0: I, I, I noticed the CLG thing as well. They're actually currently first place in Academy.
1: Yeah, they're nearly undefeated. They're playing yeah. really, really well. Yeah. And that's without their coach in North America... Uh, juves is currently in australia Mm -hmm. and without their starting mid lane a triple so they've been playing games in scrims with rjs i'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying this Mm -hmm. and then they've been playing on stage with both Demonte and palafox so this is definitely not the ceiling of that team either yeah
0: that'll be a really good thing to track on to i I think we're we basically covered tl for ceiling and floor uh i'm i'm going to talk about hundred thieves next because they were second on my power rankings where were they on yours oh really second place yeah okay nice uh i have actually they are second in my power rankings but my ceiling is one and their floor is four how about you
1: yeah i've got the exact same thing ceiling one floor four
0: see this is this is why i need different guests on the podcast we can't just
1: opinion.
0: Um, yeah i think they're number one this is maybe overly basic but uh they i think can win if they do what they did in 2021 summer from a playstyle perspective where they're very committed towards FBI and Hoohee and playing the game through FBI and then kind of allowing the other lanes to just be strong with good team fighting. A strong bot lane with a strong jungler, I think, is gonna be even more powerful than it was last split. But I think they will struggle if they try and do it all. And I've already seen this a little bit in just the interviews talking about the team it was either closer abadage was like no actually we can we can play through any lane we can have a carry top we can have a carry mid we can be super flexible i just this would be very annoying for them to hear i'm sure but like i just think they should stick to what works and if they try and get too creative they're they're probably going to struggle
1: yeah i mean we've talked about this a lot in the past but like in traditional sports it's much more accepted to say like oh we are the defensive team and then to buy into that system, and then to go out there and try and win a game defensively. Versus in League of Legends, for some reasons, it's like frowned upon to say, you know, we're a bottom-centric team, and this is how we play good League of Legends. It's like, what? How is that possible? But uh, I kind of agree. The reason I have their ceiling so high is I think on their good days, Abadage, FBI, and Closer are the best jungler, best mid, and best AD carry, and all you need for them to be in form at the same time, and it's great. But I think that they're floor is fourth because I think what will happen is if they start struggling with a six-man roster, they will deny tenacity minutes and it will undo probably a lot of work that they're currently focusing on in scrims and will just undo a lot of the time that there's been prepping and that obviously they have a very talented lineup so they shouldn't become, you know, less than four but I think that that is definitely a possibility.
0: Yeah. Uh, how many teams do you have at one for a ceiling? Uh Four, fourish, four. Four-ish, I'll say four. Four-ish? Yeah. I also have four. What the? Okay. My third. Okay, then I'll change one. Okay, you'll change one just to be spicy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Next team is EG. I have ceiling mm-hmm. one, uh, which I think before the Lock in Finals, you would have found like eighty percent of the internet would also say that they were just going to be the best. Um, mm-hmm. And their floor is five for me. So I'll let you. I'll, I'll let you go first with your floor, and then and then your
1: reasons damn we would have the had the exact same thing if this was not the one i changed <laughs> so i'm gonna say their ceiling is two ah because okay. i changed it so you think uh, and only three floor... teams can win yeah and their floor is five i don't think like if if i had to remove a team that could win like i would remove this team because i currently had four which like you know I, I agree saying four out of ten teams can win that's a bit of a cop out so i'll say three out of ten teams can win this team can't win um why can this team not win okay add a floor Danny and Vulcan stops working for whatever mm-hmm. reason mm-hmm. Um, and they become dysfunctional as a bottom lane and we saw Danny at times last year had exploitable laning phases mm-hmm. and Jojo gets focused uh, because this is how you played against them in an academy and you just put a, a whole bunch of resources uh, into the lane that is laning into Jojo and he will straight run it down mid. Um, and if that happens consistently and his confidence gets shattered because it's very hard to break an academy player's confidence but... You can do that in the LCS. Uh, We've both seen it happen before. Um, Then this team could definitely come fifth.
0: Yeah. I don't have much to add on that. The only, you actually added more detail into Inspired has a hard time working with JoJo, which would have been like my second point. But that can just happen. If teams are hard focusing him and he's not giving respect, it could, and Inspired just doesn't want to be a, I guess, scripted jungler that has to just be there for 2v2s, it could create tension.
1: Absolutely. And I think that, I mean, you look at the games that they were incredibly successful on in Academy. There was a lot of contracts playing Nidalee, a lot of JoJo playing Renekton or a mm-hmm. melee mid laner, and it was like straight up going through mid first. Uh, that's not to say that's the only way you can play. He also had some good LeBlanc games as well, where he was by himself and playing very solo, but I do think that there was a pre-described way to play against uh, EG Academy, who were much less dangerous in the other roles, um, but that that was how you beat them.
0: Yep, And the number the, the way they win for me you have them at second i actually mm-hmm. have i think a lot of other people would have like jojo is the mvp because he's the guy with all the hype i would yeah. say like they'll win if inspired wins lcs mvp the mm-hmm. guy like who's won mvp before uh in lec so that and then also on top of that danny and jojo would just be consistently strong consistent laners i say consistent yeah. twice but basically just really good in laning phase and let inspired run the show
1: I would agree with that. I would say like the way this team would come second for me is if the rookies bought into the system that Inspired wanted to play and they actually utilize Impact in a way that he maybe hasn't been utilized a little bit lately because he is starting to show once again some lane dominance. Uh, And I think that that can be played around. And once again, this team has an amazing support. I'm a huge fan of Vulcan. I actually think he is like nearly underrated, which is such a strange thing to say for a player that many would consider like top three in his role. Uh, And I think that Inspired is a very talented jungler. Yeah.
0: I have C9 fourth in my power rankings, and this is, I believe, well, them and Dignitas are the two biggest spreads. Uh, I think their ceiling is one. I think their floor, I, I played around with this number a bit. I think their floor is like seven. Okay. What about you?
1: I I have their ceiling as one, and their floor is 10th. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, you go first. Tell me their floor. <laughs> Tell me their floor.
1: Okay, so they are experimenting with a 10-man roster uh, and they need to ensure that their players are not precious about Ego. Now, they've all come out and said that they're not precious about Ego, that they're buying into this system. But as soon as like three or four players are getting precious about Ego and then the community, like because LS is like a big magnifying glass to me. So what happens is like there's community opinion, which is already brutal, as we know. And then you throw it through the LS magnifying glass And if there's any issues there, I think it's going to start cracking. And what I will say is, even though I think they are an incredibly talented team, they are also a very young team in some roles. And pressure, bad season, and very, very famous org coach and expectations. Uh, I've just seen the perfect storm happen too many times with super Team. Um, and I think that it could completely disintegrate and fall apart. Now, I don't think it is going to happen because I actually have a lot more faith in L.S. than I think some other people do. Uh, I, I've always had good interaction with L.S. I think he's going to be a very good coach, mm-hmm. um, but if it does happen in the perfect storm, I could see this being a complete bottom-out fact. will be the L.A. Lakers who are currently <laughs> missing playoffs. <laughs> the,
0: the, they're the anti-Lakers because the Lakers are too old, but Cloud9, I ran the, I, I was curious, so I went on leaguepedia and checked everyone's ages, Cloud9 is Mm -hmm. actually the youngest team in the LCS by projected starters. Yeah, Uh, Part of that is because Berserker is so young, right? Their bottom lane is just so incredibly young. Fudge is still also very young. And
1: And he's 19 or something, isn't he? He's
0: 19. Yeah, he was Worlds. Like, he just turned 17, and then he went to Worlds. He beat me
1: when he was 17 to make Worlds, yeah.
0: Yeah. With Mammoth. Uh, Mm -hmm. The famous Aatrox clip
1: that Mm -hmm. you've rewatched
0: many times. Um, If anyone would like to see it, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look up, look up, order versus mammoth. Uh, OPL split two playoffs, twenty nineteen. I think. Yeah, that'll that'll yeah. fight it for you. I think. Yep. Aatrox Yumi when Yumi was broken and Aatrox had a bunch of self feeling. It wasn't pretty. Uh, <laughs> but that's because you put them tenth. Um, that's mm-hmm. Fudge's revenge. But I I'll echo the things you said about like I don't really have much to add on on the things that could go wrong but i do want to emphasize how even if like some of the players are good at insulating from public pressure all of the players will not be good at ignoring public pressure so any type of negativity any type of yahoo content creators that decide to stir up drama with them any like bait that gets taken like all of that i think eventually will detract for the team unless they can use it as like billboard material like you would see a football team use in a sports show but like that can actually be real if you get uh, galvanizing moment for the team to like F the haters. We're going to do it our way, which sounds like the way that they want to play. And I guess the number one is if, and like, I, I think they could actually win even without all of these things being true, but it's if the vision that LS and Max Waldo and fudge and the culture that they've created is just correct. Because it is somewhat of a contrarian vision of how to play League of Legends, and we can't go into detail on exactly what that is because they also haven't gone into the level of detail that would allow us to make this definition. But roughly, it definitely feels like uh, different champion picks, different approach to rune pages, a much more systematic way of playing um, pretty much League of Legends, minimizing risk, trying to maximize small gold leads. Uh, if they can actually perfect that style and have like high mechanic players, it would... It would be a really amazing season and story for them.
1: Not even necessarily, like, obviously that's a way that they win. But, like, the other way they win is that Fudge has a similar trajectory to what he had this year. They saw uh, shore up the support issues that I think that, you know, we saw Isles. He is a player that is very good on his picks and then can be exploited off those picks. I haven't really seen all that much of Winsome. But if Fudge levels up the way he did uh, in top lane, yeah. if Winsome is serviceable, then you look at the other three roles and they should be amazing players. You know, you have Summer, Berserker, Blabber. Like, that's a very good core to a team. Like, why could they win? Because their core of players are um, really pretty amazing. So, yeah. like, that's what you need. And then you just need, like, a little bit of the other stuff, coaching and stuff, to make a big difference. And then, then you've probably got a winning formula.
0: It's true. I'm, they also have a two-time LCS MVP in the jungle with Blabber. Mm-hmm. So, even if... Yeah, I, I should correct the other statement. Even if they don't play a contrarian style of League of Legends and they just tried to emulate the way Blabber played in 2019 with like Nisky Van Vulcan, if correct. if Berserkers actually just cracked, um, Fudge has a trajectory and Summit is lane dominant, they still have Blabber. And you could just run the game and they could win. So uh, yeah, a lot of upside for that team.
1: I, I'm really excited. Yeah. I would say like within an asterisk, obviously I've got a TL hoodie on. But, like, if I was just a fan passively watching the uh, season, I would be most interested to tune into every Cloud9 game, and for a positive reason. I actually Mm -hmm. want this team to do well, because I think that they've taken a big chance. I really respect the shot that they've taken, Mm -hmm. and I actually like the roster they've put together on paper. So, like, Mm -hmm. I I want them to do well.
0: I have kind of a broken analogy for this, Um, and I also don't know which way the analogy falls, but the conversations around... LS or possibly the conversations that are going to be happening around Cloud Nine remind me of when uh, the Phoenix Suns were really good back when they kept getting knocked out of the playoffs by the Spurs. Um, seven seconds or less era Suns where they just shot threes all the time because you had all you had so many people like Phil Jackson or big time sports commentators that were saying stuff like you you won't ever be able to win an NBA title shooting that many threes. Playoffs is all about, like, half-court basketball and, like, reliable scoring when the defense is really locked down. Uh, And then, because they lost, they traded for Shaq and, like, ruined their dynasty. And then eventually, a couple years later, the Golden State Warriors and, you know, the Houston Rockets happened and the NBA is where it is today. But weirdly, like, they had the formula. People were contrarian against it. And it was actually a different team in the future that had to prove the formula because— and even Steve Nash has talked about this. There was like this glass ceiling that they just, they could only go so crazy with their strategy, even though the optimal version of that strategy was actually even crazier than what they were doing at the time. Um, The broken part of this analogy though, um, and hopefully I haven't lost people because basically the, the just like this oversimplified version of the reason the Phoenix Suns and Golden State Warriors and Houston Rockets and the NBA shooting all the threes is because three points is more than two points and even though it is like a higher risk play, it ultimately leads to more reward in the aggregate. Mm-hmm. The danger here is what if the current way of playing league is shooting three pointers, and Cloud Nine just wants to take baseline twos all the time? What if it's that? That that's that's what I haven't decided yet. But I think it's it's I, I just have to see.
1: I can see the analogy play out because, like, the the reality is, like, what happens if it's just a baseline twos? Well, then you just hope that one of the players is LeBron James <laughs> yeah. and the other one Anthony Davis. He still wouldn't play <laughs> yeah. basketball like that, like, two years ago. So, like, I, I don't think the analogy is broken, but I, I do agree with you. Like, they, they will try and morph the way that the game is played, at least in the mm-hmm. short term. And mm-hmm. I think that's good. That's exciting. Oh, it's awesome.
0: Yeah. Most exciting team in the LCS. Whenever I say that in story meetings, it gets called the cold take. But I'm going to say it again. Because they are the most interesting and exciting team in the LCS. Uh, next team I want to cover is Dig, because okay. I, I probably overrated them in my power rankings. I have them as a playoff team. I actually have them as fifth. Um, mm-hmm. I like I flame people for like overreacting to like Hundred Thieves <laughs> and Immortals from Lock In, but then I just like do my own overreaction and put Dig fifth because they had like a good week in Lock In. Um, but I also have their floor at ten, so I, they're just a, they're insanely oh. variant. And I don't think the four at ten is actually that crazy because they were literally the last pick in lock in when half the teams were fielding full academy rosters and they were only missing River. Like the LCS teams thought that they were the worst team in the league. So I think that that world is still possible where they just revert to the mean and River had like some good instincts in jungle pathing, but eventually um, he's either going to get tilted or
1: <laughs> like
0: I actually think he's super good, so I don't it's feel like funny, he's going to like funny get figured. Out. Ever. Um, because
1: everyone's like, "Yeah, River had a good week." It's like, "No, Rivers had a good three years. You just never watch the region that he played in." Yeah, so. he's been a but dominant yeah.
0: PC. I think I don't know how did got this guy. Actually,
1: I'd love to. No, hear I think it's story. pretty cool.
0: I'd love to hear the story uh, I, about
1: River. I have their floor at seven. I don't think that they can come last. And, like, I think that... A couple of reasons. I think River is genuinely good. We had a category when I was in the OPL where we used to call players, like, not that bad. And it's it's not an insult, I swear, when I say you're not that bad. (laughs) But, like, Neo and Biofrost are not that bad. They're, Mm -hmm. like, completely serviceable players. And Mm -hmm. then... Blue also looked good. Like, he didn't look not that bad. Like, he, he was a pleasant surprise. And fake, to- uh, fake fake God is just a rock in the top. Like, I mean, I don't have many positive things to say about the guy. I think he is exploitable. Mm. Uh, but uh, from everything I've seen, he has great ment- mental. And uh, he can hold on real tight. So, uh, <laughs> hopefully, I that... don't think this team can finish below
0: seven. I feel like your your word choice of rock yeah. was, was interesting there. Because you could say, yeah. like impact is a rock in top lane like he's reliable and immovable but you're like you're swimming and you're holding a rock like is that was
1: that your fake analogy no i don't think he i don't think he's that bad but like what i will say is like he has a very limited effective champion pool and even on those picks i don't think he necessarily wins lanes so like what i think he is is like to me he would be like a gatekeeper is like what i would say like probably too good for academy probably not good enough to be like mid-tier mm. in LCS. Mm. And they are probably going to need to factor that into their decision-making when they decide what kind of League of Legends they want to play.
0: Yeah, I I would agree with that. And I think Fake God definitely had some moments in spring where he was very effective of last year, but based off of lock-in tournament, he looked like the swimming kind of rock and not the like solid one. So he needs to revert to the spring split version <laughs> of 2021. Uh, Potentially. Yeah, you want to talk about TSM?
1: Yeah, TSM. That's a big one to me. This team okay. is like also like incredibly high variance. How, how big the spread?
0: Because um, you've done a one ten, so you've already capped that. Yeah, but what are you? So I've got,
1: to? I've got like two to seven on this team. That's exactly what I have. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I I had them at one for a while, and then I thought about it, and I'm like, I can't just say like five teams could win. Um, they mm-hmm. are the closest two to one that I have, and I and I don't think it's because they're going to win a lot of regular season games. I just think that there is a chance in two and a half months with a double elimination playoff bracket that they like find their form in some way because, I mean, I work with that as
1: well, by the way, for people that are doubting that, like TSM always somehow just shows up in like playoffs randomly and like has like really good runs. Uh, Yeah. And it's tough to stop them Uh, Like the reason I have two to seven is because like Okay, so like negatives, language barrier, right? Huge Really tough to overcome Uh, Different culture Uh, It's typically more difficult uh, I would say from like what my experience is To bring uh, Chinese players into uh, Western culture Uh, And and I don't think it has had as much success Um, I think that's a fair statement to make um, and then I think that the amount of background noise around TSM with everyone moving, you know, Path is out, Björk is out, like the articles that are being written uh, mm-hmm. just in the same way that C9 have like that big LS magnifying glass. Yeah. When you play for TSM, you just have the TSM magnifying glass. Like what other teams can say, you can come over, turn on your stream and start yelling memes and we'll get you like three, four, five, ten thousand. 10,000 viewers like instantly it still works
0: yeah and like, and the clips still make it to reddit and they get power up voted and they're just
1: yes and just a brand that this team has of the still... Zuma brand mm-hmm. that could go one of two ways so uh, I think that this could also be a spectacular failure um, but if like kind of what you're saying if they like do the hard work kind of struggle figure it out get because I, I think what this team wants to do is get western players playing an eastern Brand of League of Legends, and really play that lane dominant in your face style, uh, and unleash Speaker for maybe the first time, like fully, like get him some winning lanes, allow him to play through that. Um, that could be like a blabarest split where you know he's just double crabbing everyone and just flying around the rift on Nidalee and looking insane. But uh, that's why I think they can come second, but I don't think that they have the necessary star power and structure right now to be able to get a first. Yeah.
0: I wanted to go in a little bit more on the zoomer angle. Like you and I have experienced this a little bit because like we both worked with tactical and you work with yawn. Like there, Mm -hmm. there, there actually is this like big energy difference between what is currently now like 20, 21 years and under in the LCS Mm -hmm. versus I don't want to overgeneralize, but this is kind of just a lot of the under 21s have this like zoomer energy where they're going to have you walk in into these nuts jokes like five times a day and just laugh their asses off at it. Um, but yep. they're also just going to scream at each other all the time. Like they're so hot and cold with energy all the time. And that like could potentially be a problem for a team, but they just combined them all together. Like they have four zoomers on that team pretty much. And then Huni in the top lane, who I imagine can just chill with anything. And like the energy level of that team is crazy, and I, I I think it could also lead to just some massive inconsistency even week to week. So there could be a week where they look like world beaters, and then then maybe they just have a bad week <laughs> and and they'll they'll fall apart on stage. It'll be it'll be a ride. I'm I'm more excited for the TSM roster than um than I guess others. Although I'm not, you sounded pretty excited about it just now. More so because it is just a hard pivot from what they had been doing. Um, And it's a pivot we haven't seen before in the
1: LCS with the two Chinese imports. So I don't have the North American bias that other people would have of EG, but I feel like TSM is like my EG. Mm. Like everyone's so hyped about EG, like Danny, JoJo, you know, we got a great jungler and inspired, like North America talent, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, obviously I don't have the North American Homerism, and I'm like, wow, TSM have like this Zuma energy that people yeah. are saying EG have. And like, obviously I have a good relationship with Eddie. Uh, he's actually just a great guy. Uh, yeah. So like, they're kind of like my Zuma energy team that like, I just hope they like pop off and do like what I think a lot of people hope that EG do. And it's just so funny that like people are saying, oh, TSM import team, like <laughs> uh, EG, like domestic team. But it's like, well, you know, speaker and tactical probably <laughs> should get some credit for being local players, guys. But Young, maybe not. local
0: high mechanic uh, talent. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I uh, while we're on the topic, before we move on to the next team, uh, I think Tactical was one of the most unfairly treated players by social media for like a year. Um, yeah. yeah. Based on his performance versus the way people talked about him. Um, mm-hmm. Anything he ever did good, people thought it was because of Core JJ, and then anything mm-hmm. that he did bad was only because of him and also blown out of proportion. So I just think the level of the way people look at him is off and it'll be cool seeing him in a new environment.
1: Also, people just aren't fair in their criticism. Like, if we want to go into it, like, criticism is just not consistent at all. This guy is always, like, top three in solo queue. You send him on a Korean boot camp, he immediately shoots into challenger. You send him to Europe, he immediately shoots into... Challenger and then people like put like his individual play under the microscope a lot and like he does does have some decision making things sometimes going on. Like he, he's his uh risk assessment, I would say, mm-hmm. is like sometimes miscalibrated. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm not saying he's a perfect player, but much like you, I think that this guy has like way more upside than he does downside. Like he is a genuine talent and he is yeah. still so young.
0: He also I checked this yesterday, played as many splits with Core JJ as double lift. You wouldn't have think that they were both partners for the same amount of time. Uh, I have Immortals next. I had them 7th in my power rankings. where do you put them?
1: Okay. I had them 9th in my power rankings.
0: Okay, a lot of people put them 10th. A lot yeah. of people. Uh, I have their floor as 10th. Um, mm-hmm. But I have their ceiling... I I typed it as 3, but I don't want to say it. I'm going to say 4. I'm going to say their ceiling is okay. 4. Okay, that's a like, high ceiling. It's a high ceiling because I think... It's not just like the performance of the team. It's also if a couple of other teams blow up. Like we already said, Clown 9 super high variance, right? Mm-hmm. We said EG could possibly. Fa- I have EG being able to fall all the way until fifth. We said TSM could fall away until seventh. Like if all those things happen, um, I could see Immortals taking this because I know Xersei was like a super good jungler last year. I think PoE is a significant upgrade in the mid lane. And then I think Wild Turtle and Destiny, while they did not play well at all in lock in, really none of this team did. But like Wild Turtle has the last time he was on a team with PoE was actually super successful. So I think, like, I really I've, do I've heard this
1: so many times. Two-fifths of the quest team that yeah. really but pull second, everyone's second. blood.
0: Well, it's just, why do you think they'll be ninth,
1: I guess? Um, okay, so, like, people are saying PoE... Uh, has been able to carry teams to playoff performances before by, like, just give every piece of resource to POE. Uh, I heard on the dive, like, I've heard, like, nearly everyone say this, right? Yeah. Um, But I do think that the game is changing more to a global kind of play style. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you talk about how Golden State Warriors kind of changed that formula, and, like, I think it was Doinby for, like... uh, Mid-laners, uh, on a global level and slowly but surely people are getting better at playing that way and I don't think it's good enough to just be able to sit scale and farm and I think that that's how you beat bad teams in North America and I don't think the standard of teams is that poor that they're going to allow you to do that uh, I'm also much much lower on Wild Turtle Destiny mm. Revenge and Cersei than I think a lot of people mm. uh, maybe a cold take but I think that they are you know tailing out some of these players and i think that the rate of improvement that i would want to see just hasn't been there um and i think that there is vast inconsistency even in Xersei's game who a lot of people are pretty hype on mm-hmm. uh, and jungle seems like a very competitive role so i think that inconsistent junglers could get smacked around by a lot of teams this year so uh i i'm just i'm not certain about the stability of this team yeah uh,
0: i think everything you're saying is fair and then also the fact that they haven't won a game yet even in lock-in speaks to that and then to speak more to what their floor could look like this team reminds a lot of people of 2021 clg where it was the collection of decent players from the past brought together onto a new team and the chemistry just flopped um that would be the fear which team, like
1: The thing about like the 100 Thieves is like they can play through bottom lane if, if, even if top is unstable. Like, you know, Cloud9, we're like, well, at least they got someone in the top lane. He's going to draw a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, so everyone's failing around him. How does PoE generate you a lead? It's like, okay, well, you so, hope so, you have a jungler so, like, like Santorin that thing? is going to be able to like lock down vision for this guy to get 200 CS in 20 minutes and hope that the third dragon is like around about that time. Like that that's your game plan? Like that sounds rough to me.
0: Did win a lot of games two years ago. (laughs) It it sounds rough, but it won a lot of games.
1: Eddie each It did win a lot of games. Beat TL in
0: playoffs. Uh, COG, let's talk about them. There there was like a large sense of optimism around this org from where they they were last year, where they're 10th place Mm -hmm. in Academy, 10th place in LCS now. Um, Two weeks, three weeks into the academy season, there as we mentioned, at the top temporarily first. They won a few games in lock-in, generated a little bit of excitement. Lost one-two to Cloud Nine. I still put them like I, full all things like on the table. My eight, nine, ten empire rankings, which is Fly Cog Golden Guardians. I have them all with the same ceiling and floor. Like I, ha- it's it's ridiculous. It's six ceiling, ten floor. Very yeah. few things. Uh, separate these people. And I actually have I'm gonna put you on the spot for this because I think it's an interesting conversation. We have an eight team game split. We've seen uh a seventeen and one immortals back in twenty fifteen. We've also had splits like last year where the number one team had like a 65% win rate. Where do you think the the separation is going to be this year? Like what's the record of the first place team and What's the record of the 10th place team? Is it compressed or is it far, far away?
1: That's to me, uh, just for multiple reasons. Okay. Uh, one compressed. reason I think that that uh, the onus on playing multiple styles means top teams now drop games as they try and diversify because what they do is they go, okay, maybe we're a bad twisted fate team, but we're playing immortals tomorrow, so let's bust out the twisted fate. And then, like, mm-hmm. turns out immortals is good enough to penalty should pick you're not that good on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that variance is now there in League of Legends, uh, and also like. Andre said it, uh, Giliota, uh I also just think uh, that the league is not that, like even the bad players are not that bad. Um, so like, I, I think it's just a sandwich league at the moment. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I was going to say top record
1: is 13 and 5. Okay. I, I would probably go, yeah, somewhere around that. Yeah.
0: And that's like, usually it's 14 15-3, something like that. Like mm-hmm. one team really pops off, but I have 13-5. And then bottom tier just because, like, if I look at it, like a team like COG or even Golden Guardian, so I have in tenth. We'll get into the detail of COG after this because I kind of skipped over them in my previous video as well. Um, but like, I, I can still see them beating a TSM or a C Nine or hell, like it's best of ones are so crazy. Like you can literally tenth can be or first, six
1: games. yeah. yeah.
0: It can always happen. Um, but okay, let's let's talk about best situation for COG.
1: What was what was your ceiling and floor for them? By the way. Their ceiling at sixth, and their floor at tenth.
0: All right, same as me. What's uh, their ceiling?
1: So, their ceiling is Luga is actually really good. Um, Palafox is pretty good. Um, and then I think their role players in Jenkins, contracts, and Poom are like good players. Mm. Um, and Jenkins is my boy. Uh, he is going to have to lean. Like I, I think that. I coached Jenkins for a while. Um, and I was like, man, you've got to learn how to play Renekton. Like, you've got to learn how to do this stuff. And then like, I'll tell you a story about it, like, to just kind of put it in context. Like, I, was, I just hammered him one day after Scrims. Like, man, like, we're giving up Renekton as doing all this work. We don't have a great counterpick into it. We're playing a lot of Volibear and Kled. Like, we've got to learn how to play Renekton. And then he went to, back to Scrims that night, and he was playing a Anivia top with Albert in Discord. And I was like, what is going on? And he's like, Anivia is pretty much AP Renekton. Like, it does all the things that you want Renekton to do. And I was like, okay. Like, I very clearly can't make this guy play, like, strictly meta. Um, and I've got to start using his champion pool. And then we had 100% win rate on, like, Kennen, because we would just play, like, Nocturne Kennen comps. Mm-hmm. We would play, like, Clade against you guys in scrims and, like, you know take his, it to Alphario and Volker the next match.
0: His like a 60% winner against TLLCS.
1: His bear is very yeah. good. Uh, and then he would play things like Lily atop. His gangplank was very clean. So like, I think like as a coach, you got to get used to Jenkins a little bit. Uh, and I trust the CLG coaching staff too. So like mm-hmm. if everything goes well, they like figure out his weak side pull and a couple of aggressive picks. And then Luka plays like really well. I think they could be like a sixth place team. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. I see this roster as like, if I am CLG, what I'm doing is I've bought in all these rookies. And I'm just looking for that one or two, like that FBI closer, like dynamic. And then like, I'm going to make some tweaks and I'm going to be very liberal with my experimentation. Mm -hmm. And this is like a two-year project where it's like, okay, you know, we've got uh, Luga, like he's our franchise player. You know, okay, Pelopox is working out a little bit. Okay, like, who do I actually, like, experiment with? Like, if I can attract a good support over, like, you know, if a Vulcan scenario happens to not Vulcan, where, like, all of a sudden one of the better supports Mm -hmm. is out there, like, you snag him, you put him with Lugo. Okay, now you've got a solid bottom core. Like, who are we looking as imports at the top side the that? That's how I would treat the CLG roster. And that's why I don't think their ceiling is incredibly high because I think that largely some of these players probably won't be where they want them to be.
0: Because we're just talking about the spring split as well. and. Mm maybe they have someone pop off in their Academy system. That's always the dream of an org versus trying to sign someone in free agency. But I pretty much agree with everything you said. Uh, I think the, the 10 scenario happens if like Palafox had an off year last year, he was the hyped player coming from C9 Academy two years ago. Um, Mm -hmm. frankly, I was a little surprised that he got the LCS starting spot again when you have players like Jensen and Jizuke who are not playing at all. I know everyone was using, like, Blue was the analogy for this, but I was a little surprised with Fox. Not That's not to say that he can't pull something off. He's a great solo queue player, right? I am... Also, way more sympathetic to players being in bad environments versus it being a bad player. I think that's way more common than people think, so it's possible that that just wasn't a good situation for him last year on FlyQuest. Um, but if that doesn't go well, if the Jenkins champion pool issues end up being good, and then if Poom Luger can't sync together, like this team would just have no win conditions and just fall into 10th, which is, which is possible, but I don't think super likely
1: we'll say about poom luga is like i feel like the and uh data that's coming out from a lot of experts is getting like really distorted this team didn't to my knowledge win either regular season split i think it was like cloud nine won regular season split one we won northern arena then like we beat them in split two playoffs as well it wasn't until like all the substitutes came through that they actually won something at the end of the year yeah this bottom line did not run over academy like, they were a very, very good bottom lane in Academy. Mm. But it's not like they were just, like, blasting everyone. And I think it's kind of unfair to the, like, how much better they've got over the offseason to be like, ah oh, like, when you watched them in Academy, you knew they were going to be a top three bottom lane in LCS. It's like, no, you didn't. Like, Aler and Yon were completely fine against them. There were some mm. team games where they ran over us there were some games where we got the better of them and like king and isles were a good bottom lane and academy mm-hmm. prismal's always a good player in academy mm-hmm. so i do think it's fairly disingenuous analysis to be like oh we knew this was gonna happen because i like, oh, i didn't know it was gonna happen and we scrimmed against them like 100 dives i
0: think i i actually really like that you're bringing up academy players because hopefully like the type of people who are listening to this podcast are also interested in like na academy um mm-hmm. you just played NA academy uh you can watch Academy on Twitch TV slash Academy, or it's streamed elsewhere, like your game was today on a different yeah, Twitch channel
1: on twitch.tv slash face it TV.
0: Yeah, it's if you're interested in it, it's actually like last year I was of the opinion that four or five of the Academy teams could compete or be better. Than the bottom four or five teams in the lcs i think last year the lcs was very top heavy it's less top heavy this year and i you would know better than me the academy strength this year i was just way more plugged into it last year um but yeah uh i thought luger before he even came to na had the potential to be a very good player like lcs level maybe best case he turns into a player like fbi obviously not there yet but that was kind of the ceiling i i saw for him um but echo that it's not like the duo was stomping people and proving that to be true already. It still has a ways to go. Golden Guardians.
1: Nice. I
0: felt I, bad. I felt bad putting them tenth. Who was tenth in your power rankings? Give me like your seven, eight, nine, 10.
1: Uh, so I had Golden Guardians seventh, CLG eighth, immortals ninth, flyquest tenth. Okay. Okay. I I think we have very okay. different opinions on Golden Guardians as well.
0: Okay. Then I, I feel like so my opinion on Golden Guardians was, I was putting them tenth. This is a stupid opinion. I was putting them tenth, but I don't think they'll finish tenth because like they just never finish tenth. But I just on paper it looks like they could or should. But then they'll finish like seventh, like just above the line for if you finish below this in five out of eight splits, you're eligible for a move from the LCS. They always end higher than that line. So give me your reasoning
1: because I had the I had this team between fourth and eighth. So like I want to hear why like you think that they're the tenth place team.
0: I I put them tenth because I can't pick a tenth place team.
1: Okay, but, so how do they finish tenth? Everyone's just better than them, and they're average.
0: Kind of, yeah. That's that's like the simplest way. they they're also not young at all. Not that age is I think age is a little overrated. But they're like the second oldest team in the LCS. Um, mm-hmm. Ole might really just not work in his competitive comeback. It's been a very long time away from the LCS for him. Um, Licorice has been super hot and cold. He had that resurgence on Golden Guardians last year for like a month or two. But before that, it was like a year of below average LCS play. Um, I think Pride can be good. I've heard actually good things about them in, in scrims and then i think a blazeolf was probably their best player last split and super underrated and uh, might be their best player this split as well but that combination with like we've we've talked about very real upsides for all the other teams i can see those upsides being higher than the the golden guardians that's why i had him 10th
1: that makes sense like so obviously i have like more insight i think into golden guardians than probably a lot of people because the way that they construct their teams is that an arrow just looks at whoever was on my teams previously and then employs them as coaches (laughs) is that a Um, quote
0: from him or is that just i I think
1: so i think that's what he said once he took choo choos spooks swiper uh and everyone else uh but so uh no that that's obviously in jest so like obviously like uh spooks and swiper in particular uh, i know pretty well uh i've Spooks got me into competitive League of Legends in 2014, pretty much. So, like, uh, he's one of my good friends. Um, I think that this is the group of players that, like... You talk about, like, us and them mentalities Mm -hmm. uh, when you talk about, like, galvanizing a group of players. And I think this is the easiest group of players to do it for. It's, like, Licorice, Blaze Olive, Lost. You are, like, the players that should have been good in North America and weren't. And now we're giving you this chance, like... Jad is putting you 10th in the power <laughs> rankings I mean, yeah. we are going to fly under every radar and we are mm-hmm. going to push and be a good team and their core was already pretty solid last year and I think Lost in is a strict upgrade over 6A uh, and Chime I want to say was their support player last year so like they only got better in that role and Pride Stalker
0: they had Newbie N- for a while and then they switched I believe yeah
1: and Pride Stalker is significantly better than Iconic in my opinion So, like, all they did is make upgrades. And, like, I think that they made upgrades at a rate that is higher than the LCS getting better. So, like, I actually have, like, if some of the pieces fall into place where the top teams, you know, hit the bottom of what we're saying, I think this team could, like, shoot up into playoff contention. And I also have a lot more faith in the Golden Guardians coaching staff of doing it because they have done it before. They did it with the Golden Guardians lineup. You know, a couple of years ago, they, they almost and wanted to LCS me, split. Like yeah, like and to me, the difference between this team and a lot of the other teams that I have in the bottom four is their coaching staff is proven, and maybe that doesn't matter to you know Bob twenty three on Reddit. But to other coaches, like that actually makes an impact. And I think that they a- have a criminally underrated coaching staff. The fact that nepotism gets thrown around for this coaching staff, in my opinion, mm-hmm. is disgusting and shows no one looks at the pedigree of people that are actually coaching the team. Because every single one of their positional coaches is currently challenger and currently can play at a very high level that they can even play scrims. So like they are very, very good people to be informing these gentlemen how to play League of Legends.
0: What's your peak for him again? Four? Four. I like it.
1: They okay. could make a semifinal. I like it. Which would be yeah. insane for this roster.
0: Yeah. If I had to do this again,
1: I would put a different team 10th. Hell yeah, I've convinced chat. that's, convinced that's all I to move do.
0: them to nine in my head. <laughs> I would, I would have. This is why I put them 10th. Cause I, I would say I'd put, cause every other team that I put 10th, and I'm just rehashing the Pyrankings video. Apologies. We, I swear we're talking about ceilings and floors. Um, I I said... I have the opinion that bottom lane is going to be an extremely important thing in the LCS this year. More important than the other solo lanes. And I think Luger is an awesome player. So I'm like, well, I can't put COG 10th. Um, FlyQuest, who you have 10th, would be a better argument. Uh, I have them as 8th. But I... I think Jose Diodo is still a very strong player. Um, I think Chakoy is a very good control mage player. And then I think if they ever get a lead, Aphromo is still going to be strong enough to kind of guide the team to victory. So like every team, I can make this like positive case four.
1: Um, so just a very yeah. positive person. I'm just a negative Nancy. Problem. So that's, that's why it's easier for me to do the fours of these players. I know. Um, are we up to fly quest? Who, who I mean, are we doing
0: next? I actually skipped him by accident. So they're the last team. Give me your okay. Give me your your ceiling,
1: and floor. Seventh.
0: Okay, I was six ten, so we're very close.
1: Yeah, floor tenth. Um, I think that Kumo was a fine academy top laner, not a good academy top laner. Uh, I think it, that he is the fish out of water um, on this lineup. Um, I think Johnson and Afro is very solid, but I don't think that they are mm-hmm. like the pop up crazy takeover games. And then I am. I think you brought it up or that Dive brought it up. Someone brought it up. It was like, Jose Diodo is cashing a paycheck for a world's 2020 performance. <laughs> um, and I'm not quite that extreme. Like, he's obviously a very skilled I didn't say that. Player. That was
0: some, one of those yahoos. No.
1: Yeah, no, it was, it was off Reddit, but someone repeated the Reddit oh, okay. Uh, okay. phrase. Uh, but I think that he has, he did not impress me last year. So I'm hoping he impresses me this year, but I am lukewarm to cold on this lineup. This lineup doesn't have the upside of other lineups for me.
0: Yeah. Uh that's it. What's the worst Hell record yeah. in the, what's the worst record in the LCS?
1: I could say a world where FlyQuest go like 3 and 15.
0: Okay. I was going to say 4 and 14, and that's if a lot of things go wrong. Keeping in mind Spring of 2021, the like really really bad Golden Guardians before they made any improvements was 3 and 15.
1: Maybe they'll win a fourth game because they're not yeah. that bad. It has gotten better. Maybe it's even yeah. five games. And that's what I said. A lot of these yeah. teams, I feel like, could snag five games.
0: Yeah, this could definitely be one of those splits where we're, like, five weeks in and we're like, two games separate first and tenth. What's happening? And hopefully people it's don't say this splits
1: where, like, you just have, like, one or two teams at the very, very top if, like, TL and, like, an EG or 100 Thieves gets their uh, gear together. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you could have, like, five people last. Yeah, like you know, just all on equal yeah. records. Um,
0: yeah, and then my hope is if that happens, the conversation isn't how it's a clown fiesta, because there are positives for kind of kind of all these teams this year. You're on the broadcast, man. Don't don't make it I, a clown I'm fiesta. I'm on the like one day a week. I I can I yeah. can do my best. Do some
1: better storytelling, Jack. yeah. Do some better storytelling.
0: That's what this podcast is for. It's gonna it's <laughs> gonna be huge. I I gained like 600 subscribers from the first episode
1: that's awesome yeah
0: so if you made it smash point, the bell smash the subscribe button remember to like and leave a comment and we'll uh we'll do the whole youtube thing or if you watch it on spotify podcast any shout outs you want to make before i wrap up
1: shout out to my academy team uh for being great guys and shout out to the sponsors of team liquid for keeping me clothed and fed and uh obviously shout out to you for bringing this back because i, I don't know if the fans know but the whole ever since you left team liquid i was like Come on, man. When are you bringing the podcast back? What are you getting your face back on camera? I was really trying to push you to do it during Worlds as well. So yeah. I'm glad that this is finally happening. Proud Thank of you. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, see you next time. Catch you later. All right, bye.